Hey there, and welcome to the True and Beautiful Podcast. I'm Jennifer Boynton, and in today's episode, I get to answer the questions as Jacob Samoyan fires away. So Jacob, as you'll learn, is helping to produce this whole project. Frankly, it would not be happening without him. He's the one who makes the recording sound so good. He's super creative. He has a great sounding board for me. Today, he'll ask me questions to help get context around who I am and around what this true and beautiful project is all about. I hope you enjoy. All right, so who are you? Okay, yes. So I am Jennifer Boynton. I was born in the 70s, so I'm a 70s girl. I was born in 1972, March the 2nd, in San Antonio, Texas. And I am now 51. I am a poet girl. I am crazy about words. I love reading. I love grammar. I'm learning to write. I am a married woman. Jeremy is my husband. We've known each other since 13, since we were 13, so eighth grade. And that's a great story. So we're coming up on 28 years in August. We have... 28 years of marriage or 28 years of... 28 years of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. We were young. So I was 23, he was 24 when we got married and we thought we were so, you know, sophisticated and adult, but whatever. Okay, what's this project about? This project, True and Beautiful. I mean, what did it take like almost a year to just come up with a name, whatever, you know? (laughs) The beginnings of this, even though I didn't know it would kind of flush itself out in this particular project, really started, I would say, when I woke up in 2017. After that, I just I just started soaking up pretty much everything. Reading, music, just learning a lot. The trajectory was really steep and blessed Jeremy's heart. I mean, it's kind of been a bit of a roller coaster ride and he is so ready to ride with me. That's pretty badass. He's <laughs> he's fantastic. So this project is part of that learning process. It's kind of just a way that I am figuring out, okay, who is it that I am again? Who is it that I'm supposed to be for the last part of my life? And it's a place for me to ask all the questions that are in my head. And it's a place for me to dialogue with people and to be to learn how to be, become more and more honest with myself about who I am, who I was, who I'm supposed to be, what my fears are, what my hangups are, what my dreams are. I mean, it's just kind of about getting those things out of my body and out of my mind and into the atmosphere and kind of forcing some reality around those things. Mm-hmm. And then also, before what? you go into the also, what yeah. do you mean? Uh, I mean, if you say reality? it out loud, you can't take it back. 
You can qualify it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the saying out loud is part of the learning process. It's just, yeah. but it's a big step for me. I, in my, you know, in counseling with Jeremy and stuff like that in 2017, I really learned how much I didn't say out loud. Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of have to start there, like just, you know, trying it out loud. Yeah. And then providing a space for other people to do the same thing, especially women, especially my sisters. And so I'm just, I'm so looking forward to conversations with people, to learning from them about, you know, how they have done this story called life and to make space for them to kind of say it out loud and then for them to, you know, move other people. So this, uh, the project has changed a ton. Yeah. Since we ideated. Wow. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, on my end of how this project started, uh-huh. Jeremy approached uh-huh. me uh-huh. and was, uh, after going on another podcast, um, with Jacob Shapiro, the Perch Pod, which is now the Cognitive Dissidents Podcast. Um, and originally, he was like, I want to do a political podcast with my friend. Uh-huh. No no one's having good political conversations. I'm like a classical conservative. My friend's pretty classic Democrat. Like, we just want to have interesting political conversations that aren't fear-based. And mutually respectful. Yeah, exactly. Bringing that respect to the table. Uh-huh. But he and his friend couldn't agree on that time funny. frame. That's a little or, ironic. I know. <laughs> Ugh. I know. They couldn't agree. They couldn't find and they couldn't figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. They were like all these okay. things. That's all right. And I was like, okay, this is just like a lost lead. And then Jeremy came back a month or two later uh-huh. and was like, what if I did a podcast with my wife about <laughs> our life growing up in a cult? And I was oh, like, yeah. what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> And he pitched the story to me, and I was like, oh, shit, that's really good. You should definitely do that. I didn't really know this. I didn't know really? this, no, this detail. Yeah. Yeah, he was He was like, yeah, let me go talk to my wife about it. And it was a, there was a, a couple weeks of he and I going back and forth. And he was like, you know what? I'm really busy. Why don't I just plug you into my wife? And she can take <laughs> over this idea. And that's how you and I got connected. Okay. And then from there, we've just ideated for... Ever. Forever. <laughs> On as as I'm you so sorry. No, it's cool. It's been an interesting journey. Okay. And the, we've had a, a really good time trying to figure out yeah. what it is you want this project to be. Because it yeah. did start out as just like a I mean Jeremy's original second original idea was we're just gonna tell the story of this cult uh-huh. um that we grew up in. Which is a cool um, part of the story. Which is a cool part of the story, but it's only a part of the story. Yeah. Um, and I think that you and I realized that as we were kind of diving into it, because the first couple conversations that you had via microphone were, um, with Jeremy and they Uh were about Uh this, your upbringing, but Jeremy is really hard to pin down Uh and it's hard to, wait, tell me about that. What do you mean by that? Uh, Oh, you mean schedule wise, schedule wise, dude. And I know that like when you guys get time together, you want to spend actual time together, not just let's go sit down and do a little work thing Yeah, because He's your partner, and you uh-huh. want to hang out with him and just be a vegetable. <laughs> and you were like, "Well, I can talk to other people too. Like, I could talk to my friends about this stuff too." I think you, you were gonna, you did the. I don't think Pam was first. It was Carolyn. Yeah, Carolyn Car- was first. Carolyn was your first, and you were like, and then Gretchen was in there too. Yeah, you were like, the "I'm artist. just gonna use these as practice," uh-huh. and then 
that practice you were like wait these are really good stories we uh -huh. should i should keep talking I to people i just find people fascinating dude. And, and mama ellen too yeah that was an idea yeah. from the beginning yeah but she's also hard to pin down because yeah. she's so far away uh -huh. and it's just kind of blossomed into this freewheeling, uh -huh. freewheeling. Uh... thank you for that i love that i can deal with i can do freewheel yeah freewheeling exploration of essentially the intro that you just gave which is like what you're who you've been and who you're looking to be and how you're getting there and uh -huh. the community and how the community plays a part in all of this oh, and how you essential. play a part in your community. Uh -huh. And that's what I've seen. And that's, that's what this project has been about for me. It's also been, a, it's been so much, it's been so much ideating. It's been so much throwing ideas back and forth yeah. and just being like, Hey, okay. So we talked for two hours last week. This is what I heard. And you're like, well, some of that or like, it was exactly like spot on. Uh -huh. And I, it feels like it feels like we the scope got really broad and then it's really narrowed as we've moved through time. Uh-huh. And it's not narrow, but it's narrowed. Uh -huh. Um there's Is it doable, it, dude? I I, I guess so. <laughs> we're we're here doing it. Yeah, we are. We are in the process of doing. Um Okay, so moving on to I guess moving back to you. Yeah. What do you want the audience to know about you? What's important for them to start off this series knowing about you? Okay. First of all, I feel like I'm just <clears throat> a pilgrim on a journey mm -hmm. and somebody who has a lot of questions. I And yet, there are some things that I just know. No that I have faith in. The um, difference there. There is a difference there. Yeah. There is a difference there. In terms of faith, you're right. The whole growing up in a cult thing. I grew up in the church. That's mm -hmm. just who I am. So I have to come from that place. I look a lot different in my head and in my heart now than I did as a 20-year-old. But the one thing that my heart still says is this one person named Jesus is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And I am learning to trust what he says over me and about himself. And I'm learning to hear that voice and tune out other ones those are and those include previous voices in the church and of yourself and of myself totally because i i feel like a big part of this correct me if i'm wrong yeah no problem has been you also finding your own voice uh -huh. inside of that but the voice that you have now as a person you know at one point i just i remember asking god oh my gosh can you give me a different language to speak with? Because the only language I feel like I have that's, you know, to, to offer is language that sounds like church. If that makes any sense, please give me a different language. And he basically said, absolutely. And what is that language? It is a language that is stripped of pride or being stripped. Mm -hmm. A lot of times church language sounds 
Well, it's full of piousness and self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I know something that you don't. And let me just tell you, you know, who I know you should be and what I know you should think. Mm-hmm. And that is stupid ass. And the the way I feel like he has been giving me a different language is by changing my heart, how I see him, and then how I see myself, and how I see other people. Yeah. I see people differently what, what's, than I used to. What would you say a major difference is? Okay, so growing up in the church space that I did, which I would define with some of these words, legalism and conformity and certainty, isolationist. You know, I remember being told one time, I think maybe it was when, maybe when we got married and I was moving away or going to college or something like that. So my location was changing. Mm-hmm. And I was told, you'll never find another church like this. And so that type of thinking. What do you think they meant by that? That's a great question. What I took or what I understood is that we know what's true. We have the scripture. We are the truth. Mm-hmm. And nobody else is. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, seriously. So that kind of environment produced in me, I'll just speak for myself, huge pride because I was the good girl. Mm -hmm. I was the girl who did it right. Yeah. I was the girl that was, you know, the model, whatever. Oh my gosh. And pride, fear. Uh Of? Of the truth. Because I knew, I mean, who can match that, you know? Who? Um, so I knew myself. I, that's, maybe that's wrong. Fear of getting it wrong. Okay, so fear mm. of disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Fear of being wrong. Oh my gosh, there's no room for being wrong. Yeah. In that to space. Totally. Because you're going to be punished. Either you're, you are right or you're wrong. And there's no room to really learn that walk in a space that's legalistic, that's black and white. And so you just kind of better know what, you know, what you're talking about. Yeah. So fear. Then also judgmentalism Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have what's true, right? And we know what God's talking about, you know, in the scripture. We have his interpretation, whatever. And then shame. It's a powerful tool. Totally, dude. Totally. It's so wrong. It's mm-hmm. just wrong. It's so destructive. Yeah, it is. And so over the years, just like onion layers, just one thin layer at a time, you know, I'm growing up. I'm understanding more. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a different voice of God you know, in his word, I love the scripture. Mm-hmm. I believe the scripture. I know that I don't get it, I, I, but my, what I believe is that what he says, he means. I might not exactly understand what he means, but this is, 
this is what's true. So what was the initial question? What, how have I changed or my voice or something like that? The original um, question was, what do you want the audience to know about oh, you? Oh, okay. But right. We've moved into we have, a, dude. the okay. next question, which was like your, how your relationship with faith has changed. Okay. But like you, you've already explicated that pretty okay, well. Okay, perfect. You're... But mark this that, or just know this, that it's such an ongoing journey. It is an adventure, this, you know, faith thing. It's, you know, it's so beautifully mysterious. And also at the same time, it reaches into right here. Like mm-hmm. for me, this. What are you pointing at right now? <laughs> uh, I'm pointing at myself. I'm pointing yeah. to the space in this room. I'm pointing to my minutes and my days. Yeah. You know, and my family. And so what I mean is it's it's to be lived. It's not to be known. That's a... Uh... I got to think about that for okay. a second. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's both, you know, to be known and lived. Not just up here. Not just known up here. Mm-hmm. It's not just, yeah. So I do feel like that over the years, things that were originally just in my head, like as factual or whatever, mm-hmm. or pieces of knowledge, have I've been able to swallow. That's what I call it. I... Swallow as in you you are, you're imbibing it or you're getting rid of it? No, I'm absorbing it. Okay. I'm, yeah. It's coming into the it's Becoming a part gut. of you. Yeah, my heart. Fair. Okay, so on the topic of peeling away these oh, layers yeah. of shame yeah. and taking this stuff and having it end up in your heart, let's talk about self-love. Ooh, come on, let's yeah. do it. Okay, yeah, I mean, have you found a point where you feel capable of loving yourself uh-huh. uh, the way that you think you deserve? Uh-huh. And if yes, how did you get there? Uh-huh. It depends on the day you ask me. <laughs> that's such a good answer. Sometimes yeah, I... that's so real. Sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. Okay, Truth. I didn't really even know or wasn't aware or didn't, yeah, I wasn't aware or hadn't had a conversation about the term self-care mm-hmm. until 2017. Oof. I so know. That's, that's a, what, how many 45 years? Yeah. <laughs> or something. It's a lot of years to not talk about self-care. Yeah. yeah. It's such a big thing for my generation. Yeah. Like we're it's such so a huge human it. thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. And part of the reason I think is because it just wasn't allowed. I mean, I remember when my friend Jenny, you know, was talking about her own stuff and story, and she mentioned the word self care. My head thought, is that legal? I mean, you know, as a Christian, you know, is this an okay path? to go down kind of Mm -hmm. thing because I was really what I absorbed from my growing up years in church and school was really more of a self-loathing and it was defined as humility which is a good thing right but it was really very false humility 
Yeah, it was like coming from a place of fear and shame. Yes. And not from a place of love. No. Not from a place no. of being the person that you want to be. Right. And moving around the world in the way that you want to see people move around the world. Right. It was coming from a place right. of I can't express joy or I will go to hell. Right. Right. Or just, oh, I'm really happy with me. Yeah. Or I really think I'm beautiful. Or, you know, I'm really good at this. Or I'm super, you know, I made an awesome, you know, I don't know, project or got a really good grade or you just really couldn't sit there and celebrate because that was about you and that wasn't right. And I remember when Jeremy and I, I think we were in Dallas. So this was our first home after getting married. And I don't know if he came up with a term, but we called it worm theology where you're like that. Okay. Interesting. So as we started kind of hashing out what it was that we had heard all those years, yeah, it was the picture of, you know, God or us, you know, being worms hanging on a string over the fire of hell. Oh my God. I know, right? I know. I'm, I'm really sorry. This is... <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <clears throat> and what happened then is that God, or what happens then is that God sort of sees us, takes pity on us, condescends, and comes and saves us from that situation. But then you're constantly reminding yourself of how unworthy and how helpless and how unworthy you are of the action that he just, you know, did for you. Which honestly is one half of the truth. It is true. Like uh, he is a savior and and there is... Like there's a verse that said, when we were enemies of God, he died for us. He came and saved us. But the thing that was missing was his motivation. The thing that was incorrect was the motivation of God. I felt that his motivation was just, yeah, pity, sense of duty, maybe. Jesus came out of a sense of duty and... What I now know is that it was the biggest love act in the history of the universe. I mean, personal yeah, yeah, yeah. love. So the other side of the equation is that I am completely and absolutely unconditionally loved. There is eternal safety in that. I mean, there is infinite safety in that. And does it give you permission to love yourself? Yes. Yes. Because he made me. I mean, and he loves me. And this is something that is kind of ongoing. I mean, ask Jeremy this question of how I see myself. And so I can, I have to always, I have to revisit these things a lot. Yeah. And remind myself that, you know, he's kind of, he's God is an artist and he has created me to be a masterpiece. I am. 
when I am who I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. and as I learn to be who he has made me to be, it gives me such joy because I feel like it's not really about me. I feel like it's all about him. And I kind of want to reflect, be a reflection. Yeah. And so... So you get to celebrate. Yeah. Uh, you get to celebrate through yourself for something larger. Yes. Um, and that celebration, that self-love is you also celebrating and loving God. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. That's such a, that's such a cool interpretation of, of faith and especially of Christian faith. Not, I don't think it's novel, but I think that it's, and I don't think it's unique either, but I think that it's important, especially in the current climate of like American evangelical christianity yes i'm gonna bring it back to the self-love oh yeah how do you care for yourself oh good question on any level or yeah i mean the question is meant to be on any level but we could start with like spiritually okay and if you want to i feel like that will lead into other right parts of your self-care right I'm thinking a lot of things in my head at the same time, and that's always difficult. Okay, to, definitely. So I'm just gonna Start not with think. One. Okay, I'm just yeah. not gonna not think. To stay in connection with with the God who loves me, I in prayer, and it doesn't for me. It's a conversation. It's a fellowship. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to look super you know, tight or whatever. I mean, like, I don't have to be in a specific place or take a specific time or say it a specific way. It's just a conversation. Sometimes it looks like I'm bawling, you know, on the floor because something, you know, I'm hurting just so much or there's something on my heart. Sometimes I'm practically coming out of my skin, you know, wanting to dance in church. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. Sometimes it looks like being silent and, you know, seeing what he's doing around me. Connection is one. I feel like too being in community with other people. I love to read. You know. Wait. That was a switch. What was a switch? <sighs> Hearing from other people, voices. So they they have, you know, voices in their books, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In what what they have to offer to the world, you know, I'm soaking in. You count the authors that you're reading as Uh part of your community. As part of my self-care. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And sure, like, I'm I'm listening to Bono, you know, Surrender. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's really affecting how I see things. Yeah. He's bringing so much interesting color, mm-hmm. you know, into, yeah, my day-to-day. Surrounding myself with people that are, maybe it doesn't look exactly like my journey, but are also on journey. Mm-hmm. That are you learning? Know, who are growers. Yeah. Ooh, that's a big one. Uh-huh. So church is a weekly, you know. Mm-hmm. And having conversations with Jeremy, he's my partner. Yeah. He just, the more I get to know that guy, 
the more I appreciate and just really adore him. He's so different than I am. And I learn a lot from him. Sometimes it really sucks <laughs> to hear truth from him. Totally. It's not always comfortable, but growth is not yes, always no, comfortable. It's, and you know what? That's absolutely key. Yeah. I feel. So Leading part into of, that. Yeah. So part of self-care is, for me, is learning how to push the boundary uncomfortable. Some people, you know, naturally gravitate to uncomfortable, to risky, to I don't. Yeah. I've grown up trying to insulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of my upbringing, my family of origin, just the way that I came to the world for a really long time, Jacob, mm -hmm. is to self-protect. And the more you do that, the smaller the space gets. Absolutely. And the quieter and the more I can't interact with the world. And yeah, I mean, that kind of sounds duh. What? So the more echoes you get, yeah. and the echoes just get louder. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm writing things about being in the back of a dark cave and please someone get me the hell out of here. And, um, so yeah, that's a huge thing. I feel like to learn to step into something that feels scary for me personally, again, there are people who just, you know, they just go and it's mm -hmm. okay with them. And I love that about Jeremy and my friend Mary, mm -hmm. you know, just so not afraid. Wait, so Jeremy. So not afraid. Yeah, okay. And hmm. so I. Wait, so he leans into discomfort? Oh, 150%. 200%. Okay. He would tell you that, <laughs> you know, the more pain, the better. Yeah. In some, you know. Whatever. He is just not, he is not afraid to fail. I, on the other hand. Got it. Am completely mortified and petrified. Yeah. To, and whatever does that mean? I mean, whatever does that mean? What, what that failure? means is I don't or, learn. Hmm. Yeah. The definition of failure. Who says it's failure? Who has told that? Who has said that to me? So part of that is voice in my head, you know, like defining something as a failure mm -hmm. when it really should not be defined that way at all. It's just a learning process. It's just a learning step. Totally. And failure is not, failure is not the final step in a process. Right. Like it's not, you don't hit the end and it's either a success yeah. or a failure. It's yeah. in science. There's... It's you're doing bad science if you have an N of one, which means like your sample size is one. Got it. And so you want your N to be as, as large uh -huh. as possible. You want to run this experiment as many times as you can. Uh -huh. The higher your N value, the more likely you are to understand what's going on. Right. The truth inside of it. Yeah. Um, or at least what points towards the truth. I think, and I think... What happens with legalism uh -huh. is it creates the need to be a perfectionist. Very black and white, very right or wrong. And if you find yourself on the wrong side of the fence, then you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. And so there's no, like, not a lot of room for grace. 
And so from my own personality, I thought that in order to be safe, I just, you know, didn't try. I try and risk, you know. Mm -hmm. And... Like you only uh, apply yourself to things that you know you can succeed in. Right. Which is, you know, not a lot. No, the world gets small when you yeah, do that. Yeah, it does. Because you don't have room to grow. Right. So part of self-care and loving myself is changing how I feel about discomfort and the growth process and the, def you know, redefining failure. Yeah. And on a practical level, physically, self-care yeah. looks like investing in my humanness and my physical body. Mm -hmm. Investing. Um, investing time and effort and awareness, really. You okay. know? Yeah. It's learning how to... This sounds like a parent make good choices, you know, whatever. Yeah. But really seriously, you know, like how much sleep do I allow myself? How much activity do I make myself, you know, do? Because that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm not. Plus, I'm 51 and, you know, it doesn't get any easier, physically speaking. Yeah. And I want to do it really well, Jacob. I want to get older well and... On, yeah. In one sense, I want to fight the hell out of it, you know, and, but while I'm fighting, I want to, you know, shoulders back and walk into that space with a lot of dignity and cause it happens Oof. to everybody. Yeah, it does. Right. So how are we going to deal? So you've, as you've gotten older yeah. and you've built these views and these habits, um, which you, are very up and down, by the way. Yeah. You, Say habits and use it loosely, please. <laughs> um, you started off your journey mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of walls, and those persisted for a really long time until it could not persist mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and I would guess that the idea of being resilient has changed for you. So when you were yeah. younger, I, I would assume that it meant more... It was more focused on putting up walls. And as you get old, as you are getting older, it's That's... more about taking them down. And I would love to hear about how that concept has has changed for you as you've gotten, as that you've aged. That is so interesting. And, you know, as a kid, you're not even really aware that they're there, that you're no. constructing those walls. No. No idea. No idea that what my body and my mind feel is you're freaking walking on eggshells all the time. You're afraid all <sighs> the time. It's such an awful environment to grow up in. Yeah. And this wasn't at home. This wasn't at home. Um, what do you mean? The fear. I knew I was loved at home. Mm -hmm. The fear environment was school and church, which was pretty much everything else for me. Yes. Outside of home. Yeah. And so. So were you able to let your walls down? No. Uh, at home? Yes. Like with your siblings? Yeah, but yes. I mean, be myself if you want to say it that. I mean, I didn't know that I had walls. But yes, I was able to be myself. I feel like that I, let's see, maybe my growth was really slow. Should I say stunted? I don't know if I should mm -hmm. say that. But because of 
the environment that we lived in. What I read was mm-hmm. a very, you know, small collection. Isolated. Of, very yeah. isolated. What I knew of the world was very small. Culturally, I'm just catching up. Yeah. I'm having such a freaking fun time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Learning the music of the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but no, I guess you weren't exposed to it. Nothing. There's I mean, so Jeremy and I stuff. were just kind of, you know, soft raging in the kitchen the other night. Yeah. Because he took me to see Bono. Did I tell you that? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. In New York City in April. It was absolutely stunning. I didn't know his music. I hadn't read his book, Surrender, but mm-hmm. that was the show that he did. And after it was over, I'm like, babe, do you just feel so grown up? Just And he's, no, I feel like a kid. And so yeah. as then we got home and he started reading or listening to Surrender on Audible, which is a gorgeous telling. And so he's, babe, don't even read the book. Just listen to it. And so now I'm listening. I'm almost kept, you know, caught up with him. But we were like, oh, my gosh, the Joshua Tree came out in 87. I was 15. He was 16. Totally perfect timing. I mean, yeah. should have. But we just didn't know. We just didn't have a no way to idea. know. No. So having so much fun finding out. Yeah. And loving the super colorful, rich tapestry of, you know, his story. I am learning so much as a writer from listening to that. But anyway, what were we talking about before? Resilience. Thank you. Walls. Okay, so then, you know, I also feel like that partly, you know, it was part of my own personality, partly because of my upbringing, that I just didn't know how to dream. Where do you find the courage to put the stuff out there? What are you pulling on? What am I pulling on? Part of it is other people. Mm-hmm. I feel like other people are more courageous than I am or believe in this more than I do somehow. Jeremy being one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does. He, is, he does. Yeah. He really does. And part of the reason for that is he doesn't have to see the outcome. He doesn't have to know what it's going to look like mm-hmm. to value the journey. Of yeah. getting to wherever you're, you're getting to. <laughs> yeah. And then also just from the greater understanding, as I continue to grow up into myself as a daughter of God who has been made to do this, I kind of have to hold my nose and jump. Mm-hmm. I see. I also see you getting a ton of a ton of encouragement and a ton of courage from the guests that you brought Yeah. On. I think that that's made it way more real. Yeah. And it's also pushed you yes. to like, okay, well, now I, it's not just, I, I can fuck up my own story. Yeah. I can't fuck up somebody else's yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you just kind of, that's, that's the holding your nose and yeah. jumping. Cause... It's true. Well, number one, they believe in it. And, and in this process, and I am getting courage from their, you know, own stories of journey. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, it took her this long to do whatever it is that she's doing now. That's how she got there. Mm-hmm. And 
that's normal. Oh my gosh, you know, the Yeah, it's very to human. see the process from the other side of the door mm-hmm. is very encouraging. You're right. It's very courage building. I hope that's what happens here. Mm-hmm. I hope that's what happens here. That is what I want to happen here is for courage to build people. Mm-hmm. Sisters. Or on our way there. We're on our way there. Yeah. <laughs>